Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Um, yeah, welcome back to me. Hey, a guest speaker. I might as well be introduced as a guest speaker. Um, <laughs> this was an experiment for me. I wanted to see... Um, and leave that experiment to myself, why I did what I did, but hallelujah, it worked, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Um, so we've been, um, a good portion of this year, been hearing about the goodness of God, and I want to just continue to just to just finish off, why? Because we, we got, because we can, and I've got the microphone, so we can, <laughs> hallelujah. And so I want to just be able to talk about God's goodness. And we, we sp- the reason why, because if you do, you understand that word metanoia, I've said it a few times. It's that word repentance in, in Greek, and it means I'm going to change my mind. And if we understand that God is good and that religion has said something else and, and some naysayers have said something else, we can come in and say, no, I want you to understand who God is. I want you to understand it from the scriptures. I've learned it. I've walked it. I've, I've had this working in my life, his goodness and his greatness. And that metanoia, that goodness that turns a man to repent, come to God, is what we've got to be. We've got to be those billboards, church, that we walk around and, and declare how good our God is because he is. Right in the midst of even that song, writing a song like that. After you've gone through that, it's just, it gives you perspective of really where we are and whose and who's we are. And the one who wrote it is well with my soul. He just lost his family from a, from a disaster and he, he could write that song, it is well with my soul. Why? Because we get perspective when we're with the king in the kingdom and that goodness. And so our aim is to remove wrong belief with truth. So we've got to just continually wash over you with the goodness of God and and that greatness because that adjusts us. And when our believing changes, then our behavior changes. And everybody says, oh, I want what they have. And that becomes a great billboard. So Coastal, we can hear the Word of God. We can um, read all about the Word of God. We can learn and memorize the Word of God. But it means nothing until application is taking place. It's like a person that is getting diagnosed and said, listen, you are starving, my brother. The doctor says, listen, I want you to hear me. You are starving and you will die. And so, in fact, I have some literature. I want to give you some literature. I can give you the, the literature that tells you that this is a situation. You are going to die. And you can take that memory as a starving person and memorize it, learn it, and still die. Because in that instruction, it says you need to take some food and consume it. And if you don't consume it and apply it, you're going to die. And it's important that you understand the church, I can preach, we can preach, we can announce it, but if there's no application, sorry, you're going to die. You will. You will, church. Have a look at the application that, that Jesus spells out in, in, in Matthew's account here in Matthew 7. It says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. It's like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house. Sounds like a hurricane. We're quite familiar with that, aren't we? It won't collapse because it's built on the bedrock. But... Starving person. Anybody who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. He's like a person who builds his house in the sand. 
when the rains and floods come. Church, not if, when the rains come and the floods come. The winds will beat against the house and it will collapse with a mighty crash. We've got to wake up, church. Don't wait until you're in the storm to now sort yourself out and say, oh, what did Rod say? Or what did that preacher say? Or what did the scripture say? No, you don't want to be there. Because church in Florida, it's not if we're going to get a storm, it's when we're going to get a storm. And so we've got to be alive. It's life. Life is not if you're going to get a storm, you are going to get a storm. That's just where we are in life. What kind of types of storms are we? You can have a spiritual storm. Absolutely wake up and you just feel like you're not saved. Jesus is not your Lord. I'm going to hell. I've missed it. I have, I have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And you go into a, a storm in your life. You have a natural storm. You have an emotional storm. You have a physical storm. You have a financial storm. You have relational storms. And we understand all those storms. Because life happens to us. And we understand that we need to make sure that we are ready for it. Why? Because Ephesians 6 says, well, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, flesh and, 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 uh, and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in the, dark, in the dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. So we've got a, Paul is talking, we've got a real enemy that's got a real issues with us because we are on the other side. We are on the good side. We read the end of the book, we win, and he's really ticked off with that. And if he can rob our faith, he's going to work his best to do so. So if he can bring a storm to your life, that'd be fantastic and get you to wobble. So wisdom is preparing and planning and building for a storm. You need to invest in it. And like hearing and doing the word. In a hurricane, man, when we hear a hurricane, well, first thing we've got to do is go and get up in the attic, get our hurricane box. It's got all our stuff in it. We've got to get our equipment out, make sure that generator works. We've got to, we've got to get our supplies. We've got to get insight of where's the storm coming from, which direction, what kind of storm are we looking at. And we need to make sure we've got fuel and food and shutters and sandbags and all these things, our checklist. And, but the thing is, we've got them. We've got the checklist. Why? Because we've, we've studied up on this. We hang around Florida. That's what you do. I'm sorry about Jason's family that are here. It's actually quite okay. We survived Florida. Uh, so I'm doing anything to hook, hook Jason's, the rest of Jason's family down here so we can really enjoy their family down here. Sometimes we see a storm church and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we foresee it. Sometimes we get told about it. And sometimes it's just suddenly on us. Jerry and I were talking, and, and he said, it's amazing, Rod, just one phone call, and everything changes. One phone call, and everything changes. I'm driving to the, to, to the coffee on, on Tuesday morning, all us guys to get together, and the, and the lady sitting on the other side of the, the coffee shop, keeping an eye on us, making sure we behave ourselves. Busy driving, then I get one phone call. It's Jerry, he says, my dad's just died. Changed everything. Changed everything for that day and for the weeks and months that lie ahead. Got a call. Got a call from my daughter this week. Blubbing her eyes out. She's a happy camp. Everything's fine. But suddenly she goes to the ER. That's where she works and gets contracts, a very serious strain of flu. And so she's miserable. She's sick. She's in quarantine. But she's also got um, orthopedic surgery that she's got to uh, uh, help and she can't get it. She's got to meet the courier at, at two o'clock in the morning to get the parts for the surgery that's happening. And uh, when she's busy going there, the, the car's all frosted up because it's cold up there in Aspen. She can't see it and she bumps into a pedestrian and things go from bad to worse. Pedestrian's fine. 
pedestrian was looking for a claim. Anyway, when she called, there was a storm in her life. And I tell you what, you don't understand, G, church. We've got to make every storm makes one stronger, makes one better. Every storm. Military. I used to purposely stimulate or simulate a storm. Why? Because the, 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 the true favor of the tea bag comes out when it's stuck in the hot water. And I would, I would crank it up on these guys, on these men. And I would crank it up. I would put them into, uh, into assault courses and stuff. And they would say, Kupo, why are you doing it? And I'd push them until they got dead quiet. And when they get dead quiet, you know you're right on the edge of man and his ability. And I said, now remember this, church, uh, 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 troopies. Remember this. I won't, you know, we've got a different language. I've got to try and find the English language for what we call military guys. I said, remember this. Because when, sometime, when you're going forward and you're in a storm, you'll get to a point where you think, no, I can't go any further. And then you remember, Corporal Palmer took me 10 days further into this thing. So I am nowhere near at the end of myself. And that's what storms do. You just roll up your sleeves tie your boots and say, I ain't over. It ain't over till it's over. And you, and, you, and you dig in. That's what you use storms for. Don't waste a storm. Don't waste a recession either. Use it. Make it strong. Make you wise. And that's what you need to do. This is just an introduction that I just needed to throw at you before I get into the message today. So I just want to... But I want to just tell you, boy, I want you to understand that our codes change. We build differently. Why? Because when Andrew came and hit us, when these different hurricanes came and hit us, we improved in our buildings. We improved. Well, that's what happens in your faith. Every time you get hit, you realize, man, I'm weak in my faith here. And you start strengthening yourself in that area. And, and then you can say, it's written. No, it's written. No, it's written. And you're able to stand strong. And understand, and when a storm hits, don't react. Respond. Don't just, just have a knee-jerk reaction. Stop. SSB, I call it. Stop. Step back. And I observe it, and I say, okay, okay. I run it through my process and say, God, how am I going to do this thing? And sometimes we may waver before we remember, okay? Sometimes we'll waver before we remember. The best way I can explain this is the guy who led Val and Dee and, and, Day, and Harry and all those people to the Lord, Don Norman, Scotsman. Scotsmen were used to go and pioneer and, 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 and find new areas. I mean, David Limerson, Scotsman. I mean, uh, oh, Don Norman, Scotsman. Oh, the guy from Braveheart, Scotsman. Those guys, <laughs> M. Kilt boys, eh? They don't take. So oh, Don Norman's coming around in Harare, which was back in Zimbabwe days, comes around, there was a meter person writing him a ticket. He ran towards the person, grabbed the person, threw him on the hood, and says, do you know Jesus loves you? <laughs> It took the Holy Spirit from the time the corner to that point to get hold of him and say, you're going to create a storm in your life if you do not turn this into a gospel message quickly. <laughs> so, yes, it'll take, sometimes you'll waver and then suddenly you'll remember. But that's what happens. As believers, we need to be equipped, trained, tempered, strengthened for a storm and just allow Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith. Now, into my message, got three points, then I'll send you home. Hallelujah. But I just want to say that I don't know why, but if you do not prepare for a storm, and life has got all sorts of storms coming up, like it or not, we're not in heaven yet, and this is not, this is not glory land yet. 
We just got to make sure we are, and God's given us the equipment, the tools, the ability to stand and hold strong in the middle of the storm. So the goodness of God's word has been, has been sort of the emphasis. I've kind of, in the last three times I've spoken, I've emphasized how the word of God is an incredible resource to us. Um, it's a guide, it's a compass. And so I spoke about it as bread. That the word of God is the bread of life, and it's also our it's water, it's our sustenance, it's also our air. And you can go maybe go without bread for 40 days, maybe without water for four days, and, and four minutes without air. I spoke about the word of God being a necessity in our life. But I want to emphasize one more thing before I dive into a great Christmas series. I want to just tell you about God's word is light. We need illumination. And you can't uh, allow the, the darkness to, con- to get to you. And here it says here in Psalms 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. So I had to rely on my good countryman to bring me an example of a light. I said, I want a proper light, Jerry. I want a proper light. You know, Jerry's the kind of guy that the knives and flashlights all at the checkout. Why? Because he loves knives and he loves flashlights. <laughs> so I said, I want the best and powerful, most powerful flashlight you have. Why? Because it says the word of God is a lamp to my feet. Lamp to my feet. So I can see where I'm going, but it's also a, is this going to run out of battery? Then I'm in trouble. Eh? But it's a, it's a light. It says don't shine it in anybody's eyes. So I'm shining it right above. And, it, it, and it's, a, and it's a, a light to my path, the direction of where I'm going. You didn't know I had all that cobwebs up there, did you? <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that was light, that's what light does, eh? Oh, that's what light does. <laughs> so I just want to give you three thoughts about God's word as light. The first one, that light dispels darkness. It dispels darkness. As you may know, that it's a little dark in that area, but I can dispel that in a hurry. And darkness is the absence of light. Or light is the absence of darkness. But I want to say that one rules over the other. Light always dominates darkness. And it's a good thing to understand that the Word of God dominates darkness. Wherever it may be found, it dominates. It expels. It pushes back. And it's, and it's there. And if without, without light, I'm telling you what, we, 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 um, we have this opportunity just to stub our toe, fall, go in the wrong direction, and it's just terrible that when you don't have light. In the military, um, I think Alan was saying that they do their night jumps at two o'clock in the morning. Why? Because there's very little moon and there's definitely no sun and it's the darkest time to give you a a good experience of jumping at that time. And uh, we were doing a a march and I had to take this last section um, in our training and it was 2 o'clock. I was the other side of the mountain. The compass wasn't working because the, the, the granite rock was just making my compass look like a, a fan. It was just spinning around. So I was uh, fighting the, 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 the vegetation. The guys are following me. And then suddenly I, was, I, was, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven because I was just floating. I'd fallen off a cliff. <laughs> and there was a, bit, a rock wedged like that, and I landed right inside that wedge, and my backpack and everything slowed me down and stopped my head this far from a rock as I was going down. <laughs> my, 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 my troop were looking for me everywhere, couldn't find me. I mentioned the guy's light. Oh, my Lord. 
They saw my size 10 boots and they said, okay. And they were wiggling, so they were happy. He said, okay, land on his head, he's safe. Hallelujah. But I'm just saying, you've got to understand, man, without light, it's difficult to stop and step back because we don't, we, we, we don't have orientation. We don't have, we don't have an understanding of, of, of that. And so we need to, we need to have the information. And that's what came to me when I got born again. I got information. And then that became revelation. And when that revelation eventually settled down, it transformed me into the likeness because light came to me. It's, it's a difficult thing to walk in. And when light, the Word of God comes and dispels darkness of lies and myths and, and deception, that's what light comes and does that. It, it, it illuminates. I'm reading and suddenly I'm thinking, whoa, I didn't see that before. It illuminates it and brings truth. It brings clarity and it brings direction. That's what happened. In John 3, 3, it says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I could not understand the kingdom of God. I couldn't see the kingdom of God. But when they told me, I need to be born again, I need to give my life to Jesus. And when I did that, my eyes opened, illumination came. And I realized, man, this is what it's all about. This is the purpose for living. And it came, and it became because of the word of God. It gives you perspective, it gives you purpose, it gives you position. And when we're walking in the dark, in a dark world, we need illumination, church. We need illumination because lies and, and, and deception is thrown at us all the time. And you've got to discern it. And you've got to have a reference to discern it. The Word of God is that light that discerns and says, ah, no, it's, that, that's, that's, not, that's not the way that I see it. And so we've got to understand that we need spiritual, mental, physical insight, foresight, and illumination. We need that. And so it's, it's, it's not up, well, the pastor didn't teach me that. What's wrong with you? You get into this digital device, it tells you a whole lot of stuff. It tells you a lot of rubbish as well, but you need to make sure you understand how to get through that, navigate that. And so we can't walk through. Walking in the darkness, we need that illumination. But how's it David? Now David, I mean, he has got the King Saul after him. He's got his fellow guys that are really mad at him because, you know, things have happened. He's got the Philistines against him, and he is downcast. And he writes it in the Psalms. He says, why are you downcast, my soul? Put your trust in God. He had that wavering moment because his soul is stressed. And he's saying, man, I, 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 everything's going against me. No, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'm going to eat one worms. <laughs> and then he gets himself, he grabs himself, and he says, come on, soul, why are you downcast? Didn't Samuel anoint you? Didn't you kill a lion and didn't you kill a bear? Didn't you kill Goliath? And who was with you then? The God Almighty. He's a lifter of our heads. When you get in a storm, make sure you get illuminated and you must lift your head up. Why are you cast down, my soul? Put your trust in God. No insight, no foresight, no illumination. He says, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6 is saying, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. As I was walking here, I thought, okay, we're going to see who's the fair weather Christians today who will come out in this weather because they'd love to sn snug in their beds with Brother Sheets and Sister Pillow. Um, <laughs> but I want to honor you. I want, you. Most of you must come from the north because, man, you got snow. This is just a slight bit of rain. Well done. But I want to tell you, church, if you're just a, a, a fair weather pilot, then you're going to just run. And while your senses are okay, you're okay. You can fly. But if your senses go up and down, if you're happy, you're mad, you're sad, whatever your senses are saying, that will determine whether you're a happy Christian, sad Christian, or in a storm Christian. 
And God says, I don't want you to be an inst- uh, a, a fair weather Christian. I want you to be an instrument-rated Christian. What is that? He says, you take the Word of God, that's your instrumentation. I know that John said, that when John Covey told us that when he goes, they put, a, they put a, a, a visor around so you can't find orientation around you, whether your wings are this way or that way. He says, and then you've got to just look at your instruments and hold on to your instruments, and your instruments will take you through. Get the Word of God. Our instrument has to take us through. It illuminates the way. It illuminates our path and it illuminates our direction. The Word of God is our illumination. It's, our, it's what helps us. So we are going to be called instrument-rated Christians. The Word of God. Why? Because it leads us to Him and with Him. That's what the, that's what the Word of God does. It, 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 it leads us. It leads us in that way. So light in the fallen world is, is essential. And so why do some people choose not to go to the light or use the light or read the light? Why? Because John 3.20 says this, all who do evil hate light. They refuse to go near it. For fear their sins will be exposed. Whoo-hoo. Yeah, this can be a friend or this can be an enemy. Woo. And that's what happens. Tell you what. But church, we've got to be a reflection of the S-O-N. And that's why the moon reflects the S-O-N. We are the moon that reflects the S-O-N, the Son of God. So we got to be that illumination. We've got to be that reflection. And so it requires us to have the Word of God within us and, and to be able to reflect us, uh, reflect Him through us. And to remain in, in darkness, and to be, uh, you remain bound in that area. One can dispel no one person, you can't dispel darkness. You say, oh, I will, I, will, I will stand and resist it. No, no, you need illumination. You need the word of God. You need a now word from God to come in, and it will quicken you and say, no, I can stand because I've got a now word of God. It brings light in the situation. Don't think that you can stand alone. It won't work. One wrong belief, one wrong um, um, understanding in certain areas, and, we're, we, and don't, we don't have a light exposed on that area then we kept it bound in darkness in that area. So I say, bring the light on, God. Bring the light on. Bring the light on. Why? Because I don't want dark areas in me. I want, to, I want it exposed. I want us to, to, to look at it. Why? If you have one wrong thought about salvation, church, you're going to hell. Understand that. One wrong thought about healing, you're not going to receive your healing because it passed away with the apostles. One wrong thought about the spiritual gifts, and you don't walk in the blessings of it because you have darkness in that area. That's why I get the word of God for yourself. Illuminate those areas and say, God, show me. What about this area? What about that area? What about forgiveness? What about his love? Put the light on it and darkness will be expelled. And, and it says here, um, and, it's, and you, you don't have light and you decide to hide it. Because, I mean, I can, I can put that light on and it's, and it's hidden. Hide it. It has no effect. And, we, and so we, we secret agents, Christians. Oh, forget it. <laughs> you better let it shine. You better let it shine. And because forget that. Luke eleven thirty three 33 says, No one lights a lamp and then hides it and puts it under a, ba- a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where the light can be seen by all who enter the house. Let's be those lights that walk around and, and, and display it. Light is useful. 
I found it very useful. I was with my brother-in-law and, and, and all of us, a family, we were helping re- rebuild a ranch that was burnt down in the, in the wars in Rhodesia. And uh, so we had a, a travel part, a trailer. We, we had um, uh, propane lamps and all that kind of stuff. No generators, no electricity and stuff. So after you've worked all day branding cattle, you've got poop where you don't want poop to be. You've got, I mean, you, you're looking a sight and we've got to go and it's dark and you've got to go with a candlelight into the shower and you shower away. You may sl- smell a little better. But when the sun comes up in the morning, Valerie said, you did a poor job of cleaning yourself because I still got stuff here and I got stuff on my arm here because I didn't have the light. And when the light came, I could ex- it exposed dark areas in my, in my life. And it's so important that you understand that. that like I have a saying, if you hang around the pond long enough, you'll fall in. So if you've got somebody that you're not quite sure if they're going to Bring them around here long enough, they'll eventually fall in the pond and join Jesus. But I always say, you hang around light long enough, and it's going to expose some of, your, some of the areas in, in, in your life. So darkness expels, uh, light expels darkness. Second point, a lot shorter than the first points. Let me just let you know that. Light recovers what is lost. Light recovers what is lost. And so <clears throat> if we lose something, light is sure a, a friend. I mean, to try and find something, especially when you get more of a senior moment, you can't find things, and they always kind of land up in the shadows and in places where you can't find them. And so we need to have light. Sometimes we just can't see it, and we need light. Uh, Our counter in the kitchen, our island, has the best light on it. So everything I'm fixing from the workshop has to come there. Anything at once, um, chains are knotted from... Um, somebody's jewelry, then I'll go there. Why? Because I need the light, because I can't see. I'm getting to that senior age where I need assistance. <laughs> then in Luke 15, it talks about there's a lost coin, lost sheep, and a lost son. Every one of them needed light to be found. The lost coin, 10 coins, lost one. She went in little lamp and found it. Great rejoicing. Well, what about the, lo- the lost sheep? I know that you can't find a sheep at night. And sometimes it's really dangerous to try and find it. I can guarantee you that sheep was found in the light in the day. And what about the son? The father could see him afar off coming. And it's got to be light to be afar off to be able to see your son coming. I want to tell you there's light on you because the father has seen you far off and you're coming to him. And that's a wonderful thing. So you need to understand that each one is, we need the, need the, need the light to be found. Um, I was lost. In the Word of God, the light came and found me in that school hall and shone on me and said, this is your time, Rodders. And he hooked me with his love, hooked me with his forgiveness, and I responded. The Word of God in Hebrew 4.12, it says the Word of God is alive and powerful. I want to tell you, I call it a laser light. It is able it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It it's, it's cuts between soul and spirit. Now, man, you've got to be laser sharp to be able to get between what is my soul and what is my spirit. And between joint and marrow, you know, that's a fine cut to expose our innermost thoughts and desires. The Word of God is so precise. And now, why do you think they don't use knives? They use lasers to cut in, in surgery. Why? It's because it's so precise. So precise. And that's the Word of God. The Word of God is precise. It illuminates between soul and spirit, thought, intent of the heart. And it, it, it measures what we're thinking and why we're thinking. And, you, and, and, and it gets to us. 
And I tell you what. Right, last thought. Light shows the way. Light shows the way. I tell you what, when I'm walking on a path and I haven't been there before, I, ha- I need to, but I've got, I said, man, I wish I had a light here and a light on my head so I could have, so I could see where I'm going and see where I'm walking because every time I look where I'm going, I'm stumbling over what I'm not seeing here. And so, but the word of God says, it is a lamp to my feet and a light to my direction. You got to understand, you're getting both. Two for one. Special deal today. Special deal. Hallelujah. The light shows us the way. And so we got to understand that the Word of God has a choice in our life. It can direct you, or otherwise it won't direct you. But we have to choose whether we're going to use the light to direct us. It's going to help us, in our, but we've got to be invested. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now listen to the love of God. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, 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 that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. He's given us a choice. He says, I want, to, I want you, I'm giving you a choice. If you go that way without Jesus, there is darkness. If you go here with Jesus, there, he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's talking to us. He's giving us a choice. He's showing us the way. He didn't leave me and said, yeah, you need, to come to, you need to come to me, and never gave me a way to do that. My, my sister-in-law clearly told me I was going to hell, and she preached hellfire and brimstone and petrified everything out of me, but she never gave me the truth. I mean, what, you're trying to fear people into what? If you don't give them the answer, you've got to give them the answer. But love goes on and instructs us. And I tell you what, you got to understand that all the, all the way along, Alan yesterday was sharing that he, ha, he, he, he has defining moments in his whole walk with, the, with him and his family, and he says they're not coincidences, they got incidences, because he showed us the way. When he got to that, you get to an intersection, you choose the way. When we had to leave Zimbabwe to move to South Africa, I was vacillating. It was a big thing. I was, well, now we're 28 years old. We were going to pack up our, our kids and, and move south and, and to something we were not used to. Our faith hadn't understood or grown into understanding a potential storm we were going into to move to another country with a handful of money and, and, a, and a rundown car and all the other things that went with it. And so you, I was vacillating. God eventually got me up and he says, Rod, listen. Listen. If you go, I'll bless you. If you stay, I'll bless you. But while you're sitting on the fence, I can do nothing with you. I said, yes, Dad. Okay, sorry. And so I made a decision. We went down to South Africa and moved on. You're going to come across deciding your career. You're going to decide a spouse. You're going to decide home. You're going to decide your, your, your uh, things for your future, your moves and stuff. Um, moving from Cape Town to, to Flagler Beach. Um, there's no scripture. I looked. That tells you. Go to Flagler Beach. No, it doesn't say anything like that. But you understand, man, you've got to understand that, uh, that God leads you and he, and he directs you. And so we don't have 100% of the answers. Jason and Sarah moving down from, 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 from Virginia, um, they, they had to come down, put their feet on the ground, hear the Spirit of God, and get confirmation of peace within the Scriptures, and they relied on the Word of God to illuminate it. So how do we get the Word of God? Quickly, three thoughts on how to get the Word of God. So, but we've got to be intentional, church. If you want direction, say, God, which way do I go? And roll a dice. 
or whatever. No, don't, don't, don't use that. Got to be intentional. Can I give you three steps to help you with the intentionality? Firstly, um, come and praise him. Come and praise him. It kind of, kind of sets the scene. It says here in Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Get intentionally into that place, into that war room for some of you. Um, and you say, well, my life is so busy. Uh, uh, what with Etha is a, is, is, is a revivalist from the early, early part of the 1900s. She had, she had um, uh, 12 children, 11 children, something like that. Uh, she, there, there's no quiet place. I want to let you know there's no quiet place. So she would sit in the, in the kitchen, throw the apron over her head, and God have mercy on any child that would disrupt her when she has the apron over her head because that's when she is intentionally getting with the Father. And so you need to praise Him, praise Him. Um, and it also in that scripture says Thanksgiving. As we approach Thanksgiving, man, it's amazing that this nation sets a day aside for us to give thanks. And man, do it with Augustus this year. Man, we've got a ton to say thank you for. And so, I mean, Barry says he's continually adding to his list of thanks. Okay, every time he gets into prayer, most of it is thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. Fill and die. He said, man, we, don't, we hardly get to, a, a, Lord, listen, I, we've got these other things that we need, but they just go through everything. Thank you for getting us here safely. Thank you for, for, for allowing us to have a car. Thank you that we got a home. To, thank you for a bed. Thank you. Thank you that we got breath in our lungs. Thank you. Thank you. Because I tell you what, when you get that, you get to that place like that, what are you doing? You're bringing Lord, the Lord into his proper place, and you're surrendering and saying, God, if you don't hold the water, I'm sinking. And I need your direction. I'm needing your help. I'm needing a word from you today, Lord. Jesus, have the wheel. <laughs> Not take the wheel. Jesus, you have the wheel. Take it. And I'm following. Second thing you need to do is prayer. Prayer is speak to the Father. Like I'm speaking to you, speak to the Father. Speak to him. Say, Dad, listen, some real issues here. Uh, real decisions I need. And I need, uh, I need your help. You need to sometimes pray before you pray. Because sometimes we shoot off some stupid words and they only get as far as the ceiling because we really haven't stopped and prayed before we pray. And say, Father, i got this situation and I need to dial it in. Dial it in so I have the now word from you so I can declare it and I know it's straight to your ears, the angels are dispatched because I haven't prayed amiss. Sometimes you just need to stop yourself because you get all emotionally charged. That's fine. But simmer down and stop and pray before you pray. Because sometimes, and many times you see that in Scripture, that Paul prayed before he prayed and rose that, lay, uh, that little girl from the dead. You've got to pray before you pray. It's important. And also, I mean, Yongi Cho, you're talking about praying before you pray. He was asking God. He's a pastor of, of the largest church in the world. That's 700,000 before he passed away. And here he is. He's got this massive congregation. And he's asking God, listen, I need a bicycle to get around to meet, the, I, I think it was 2,000 in this congregation. He's asking God for a bicycle, asking for God for a bicycle. He's known as the apostle of prayer. And eventually he says, God, I am not getting this bicycle. And it's a couple of weeks now. So God kind of said, um, how many bicycles are there? How many makes are there? How many colors are there? How many styles? How many models are there? He says, which one of them combinations do you want? I tell you, he dialed it in. I want a yellow racer, this, that. The next morning, it was sitting on his front door. Pray before you pray. Say, God, listen, what do I need to pray for? I know Maserati is going to cause the whole of Flagler County to stumble, so I won't have, pray for that, okay? I won't. I won't. I would never have one of those anyway. 
Hallelujah. We need to pray. Take your device, take your journal, take the ability that you wrote at school and write the prayer. Write what you are thinking or asking God for and allow God to start formulating the now and illuminate the now for you in the situation. Third thing as I close, proclamation. Read God's word in that situation. If it's a marriage situation, dig up some of the marriage situations in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah, I mean um, Isaac and Jacob, all their marriages. You talk about Jesus and the church and the marriage, and you have a look at Ephesians and, and Paul talking about marriage. Have a look at it. If you, have, or you want healing, dig up some of the scriptures on healing and speak it and, 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 and declare it and, and, and allow your heart to stir up faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then you can proclaim the now word, the God word, for us to move the situation. So I'm just, so I'm just some advice. Get to the situation. Dave and, uh, Dave and Carol got in their hearts to minister in the Caribbean and into the West Indies. And, and when I got to hear about it, and then I got to see the scriptures that Dave found in the scriptures about islands, you can't believe how many scriptures there are about islands in the, in the... It just amazed me. This word, I'll tell you what, it's rich. It's ready to illuminate you. Come on, church. Come on, church. We need to, we need to be those people that are, are wanting the light in our lives. Please don't be those that blindly pick a scripture. Doesn't work, eh? You know what happened to Judas, eh? He hung himself, okay? So you don't want to pick that scripture, okay? Um, but we've got to understand that scripture confirms scripture. And so, just, you know, and also, don't come to me and say, the Lord has said, if you're wanting some advice from me or some counsel or some, some help, I always say, listen, I kind of sense this was happening, but can we kind of pray about it together, talk about it together? Because if you come and say, God has told me, you've played the trump card, God bless you. Off you go. Wherever you want to go. You want to go to the moon? God bless you. That's where you're going because I you used the trump card. God told me. God has said. Don't do that when you're working and getting counsel from one another. So God wants to give us the now word. And so in 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture. So church, all scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So don't try and, and read your scriptures with the scissors and cut out what you don't like. Just leave it there, because if you don't understand it now, God will give you wisdom later on in life. I'm talking from 45 or 40 years of, of walking with God, I realize, oh, is that what that means? Took me 45 years to realize it, better late than never. Hey, amen. So that's what you've got to understand, that, um, that God wants you to understand that it's, it's inspired by Him. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Hallelujah. So the word of God is light. It will dispel darkness. Light will recover what is lost, and light will show us the way. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. As Jesus, as you, as you said to the disciples that you're not going to leave us as orphans, I thank you that you also left us your word. You left us Holy Spirit. You left us your word. And Father, we thank you that your word illuminates all these aspects, it dispels darkness, it, it, it recovers what is lost, and Father, it shows us the way. And so, Father, we are, are leaning into you today because there's darkness in some of our lives that need to be expelled, my God. 
And I know that your loving hand will put on that light and show us. And Father, as we yield our hearts and our minds and our wills to say, Father, allow your will to be done in these areas. I thank you that, Father, light will come. Light will come. Illumination will come. We thank you for that, my God. Thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. And some in the sound of my voice and even possibly up uh, watching us live on, 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 online. One of the dark areas in your life is that you never knew that uh, Jesus paid for your sins and that you could respond to him and that you could come to him and walk with him and talk with him. And so if that's you and you haven't given your life to Christ, now's the time. Not tomorrow, not this afternoon, now's the time. Now's the time to walk into the loving arms of Jesus and receive his love, receive his forgiveness and allow his light to come into your world. Because we only see in part until he comes, then we see, see it as it is. And if that's you, I don't want to leave this opportunity for you to go another moment without inviting him into your life. And if that's you, the church is going to pray out loud and we're going to pray and ask you, ask you to pray with us and invite Jesus into your life. Would you do that? Church, would you bow your hand, hearts and, 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 and believe while you pray that Jesus would come into the hearts as he wants to into these people that are praying out loud for the first time. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. Today, I receive you as Lord. Thank you that you paid for my sins, that you've forgiven me. I receive you as Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If your head remains bowed, all of you, if you have prayed that for the very first time, I really, uh, last week it was just exciting to know that eight responded. Eight people responded, put their hands up. If you prayed that prayer today in this room and possibly in those that are online, Please, would you just raise your hand? Hallelujah, I see your hand. I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're walking into their lives. You're hugging them. You're telling them that they are the best, that they are the, the, the apple of your eye. Father, would you love them? Would you touch them? Would you walk with them? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.